0: everyone welcome to mind your works unscripted a series for candid discussions with more conversation and less preparation i'm jose espinoza and i'm here actually in person with my co-host nicholas bremner yeah i'm here (laughs) that never happens if you've listened to some of our episodes before we always talk about how we record over the internet and how difficult that can be but the fates have conspired for us to be in the same room So, today we're going to be using an episode from another podcast uh, from Reply All as a jumping off point to talk about a couple of issues that kind of come up in organizations frequently in terms of metrics. How do you measure something? What does it mean to measure something appropriately? And how do you do that? Now, we're going to give you a, a quick little summary of the content of those podcasts from Reply All. But if you would like to learn more, you can always go to our show notes and we've actually provided links directly to the episode series. It's the two part series called The Crime Machine. So, Nick. If you had to help me summarize the first part of The Crime Machine that we're going to be discussing today, where do you think we should start?
1: So if you haven't heard it, um, Reply All is a, is a podcast about basically like technology and, and culture and, and you know modern issues that are of interest. And, and one of the uh, two-part episodes that we listened to that we both found really interesting is called The Crime Machine. And it's about, I just say like an organizational system used by the NYPD to track metrics um, and it was back in the 80s, I believe, that yeah. crime was really bad in New York, right?
0: Yeah. And I actually looked it up and it's still used in, use in New York and a few other cities across the U.S., which is interesting. So this is like a problem that they're still coping with. Uh, and we'll get into what that problem is.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So they, they there was really high crime rates in the 80s. And this dude named Jack Maple, who is apparently like quite a character, and he's a traffic cop, but he's a very, very brilliant guy. Came up with this system to do a better job of tracking crime and he got a lot of influence in the department and was able to actually implement this on a on a broad basis through the department and it was so successful that they actually went around touring the states and actually implementing in other departments too this system was just basically a better way of tracking crime previously the nypd was like not really tracking all crimes. They were kind of ignoring certain crimes. They weren't actually pursuing ones. They were pursuing like high value crimes.
0: Yeah. There's a really good example of that actually in the podcast where they talk about how in Manhattan, they would only investigate a robbery if it was over $10,000. So there was like really big gaps in their understanding of how crime was occurring and what crime was happening actually.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because they were turning a blind eye to like a large portion of crimes. Yeah. Um, so this dude, Jack Maple really encouraged the department to Look at every crime. He built these crazy maps, drawing the subway lines. That's how, that's how it started. He was a traffic cop. So he started tracking crimes uh, by type and by time on the subway lines. And they would build these, I think he called them maps of the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was something.
1: He's a, he is a character for sure. He, he totally is. <laughs> and um, they would track crimes based on type and time. And, and they'd have these little colored stickers. Uh, and after putting this all together, you'd have this basically map of the entire New York subway system. And you'd be able to see how crimes changed over the course of the day. And it made it much easier for the department to actually track this crime and and catch these perpetrators.
0: It was incredibly successful. I mean, they talk about things like murder rates going down 20% in a year, which is unbelievable when you think about it. They talk about a series of robberies going from 1,200 a year to 12 a year because one of their sting operations was so successful using this time track. And they were able to basically pinpoint, well, we know the people who are committing these kinds of crimes. Are in this area at this time of day. Yeah. So they would set up really specific, like sting operations, to catch these people. So what
1: else to say about it? There were some problems with it that we'll that we'll get into at a later point. This will actually be a two part unscripted series where um, we'll get into the kind of the the unintended consequences of it. But for all intents and purposes, it was a, it was a marked improvement over what the NY- NYPD had before.
0: Yeah, I, I think if you want to kind of get a real picture of how it was working, uh, it's worth going back and listening to those episodes. But as a general summary, that's what you need to know. Someone developed a really innovative solution. I mean, originally it was like subway maps and charts. It then became like a management software program that the NYPD started using. It was very, very successful. And I think what we want to kind of break down in this episode and just kind of talk about is, well, why was it successful? Exactly what was it doing generally in terms of how you might apply this to other organizations that actually really worked? Mm -hmm. Because I think there's actually a lot to be learned and maybe a lot to be learned from the unintended consequences like Nick said that we'll talk about in the next episode. Do you have a particular thing that you would like to highlight that you think worked? I think one of the main things that CompStat did that
1: really benefited the department and and enabled them to actually track these crimes better is that they started time coding. They were able to see that similar crimes were occurring at different times within the city. Um, which enabled them to determine that it was specific people moving around the city con- committing these crimes at different times of day.
0: Yeah, I mean it's easy to get up and downtown yeah. in certain areas, right? Yeah,
1: knowing the time as well um, enables you to you know set up a sting operation and actually be in the right place at the right time, rather than just knowing that okay, well you know Times Square pickpockets happen uh, in Times Square all the time, so let's just like be on the lookout for that. But it's like with the timestamp it's like no that actually spikes for example like after work people are getting off work so let's like be extra vigilant during that time period
0: yeah i think i think generally like it allows the organization to allocate resources better they talk about basically doing surges oh we know thanksgiving day on x time people are coming home there they talk about how there was this bottleneck at this particular subway station So they literally sent a whole bunch of cops there to look for pickpockets there during that time period, right? You could imagine how, well, yeah, we could have had a similar operation running every day, but it simply wouldn't be as efficient. And I think that's really valuable as a a general takeaway, the notion that that's what data can do for you. It can allow you to find patterns and then use the resources you already have to do something. It just allows you to basically better determine what can you do that will actually make a difference. The one thing that you kind of pointed out there too, that stood out to me is the notion that. When they started time coding they basically found the key missing variable that they didn't have before i mean the NYPD was tracking crime in some way before that yeah. and it was adding time that allowed them to kind of understand the actual patterns happening and yeah knowing, knowing that extra
1: information is is helpful, and I'm, I'm thinking that bringing this to like another organizational context. If, if we think about so, to your point regarding like deploying resources you already have. If so, for example, if you're thinking about like organizational attrition, if you're tracking attrition um, and you're saying like, okay, well, this year we lost you know five percent of our employee population. Next year we lost ten percent. Um, if you track it at a like maybe at a more granular level, like month to month or week to week, you might notice that there are certain like seasonal times when people are more likely to quit the organization and so you could deploy you know certain communications at certain times of year to kind of buffer against that so you're deploying resources you already have rather than having like this communication going across all year like whatever intervention i'm just using communication as an example you can deploy an intervention at a more strategic point in time to kind of cut that off at a time when it's more common versus just saying oh year over year our attrition is changing but it might actually be uh, happening at a certain time of year
0: Yes. And and it might be happening in a way that if you looked at the context and you gather more data, it might be very clear. For example, there might be a particular time of year when your competitors are aggressively recruiting. Right. So they're poaching your employees, right? If you go out there and you find the correct data, if you ask the right questions at the X interviews, mm-hmm. you might find out exactly what's happening. Is there a general pattern? So like Nick was saying, more generally, when you consider what data you're collecting – you might have really valuable data you just might not be finding the last bit of the puzzle piece to actually make that make sense in a way that allows you to target this these issues more appropriately so yeah so consider data collection collecting data is not enough you have to collect the right data so it doesn't mean that if you're collecting data and you're finding that it's not useful, that you just throw out that entire uh, process of data collection and start a new one. It might just be about tweaking or about trying different things and thinking outside the box exactly what might be happening, what other kind of information might we need to make the data we have more useful.
1: Another thing I think we could talk about in regards to CompStat and metrics is data quality. So one thing that Jack Maple really changed with the police department is that he held police chiefs accountable for reporting on these metrics accurately and really being thorough. And so like, as, as Jose was saying previously, they were only really investigating uh, crimes that were over $10,000 or robberies that were, that were over $10,000. Yeah. Um, and they were only investigating things that happened to certain demographics. Specifically, they would prioritize white people yeah. over black people or, or Hispanics. And it was really, really biased. And so Jack Maple encouraged or forced accountability accountability of these different police stations to report every single crime and held them accountable for decreasing that crime level and, and having some kind of activity. So that speaks to the broader notion of data quality. When you encourage your people to do a better job of collecting and recording data, you have better information to work with and you're actually able to move the needle on a lot of these problems in organizations if we're talking about like basic hr data if you don't really force those systems of accountability to make sure they're accurately inputting data and having and having those, those accurate metrics you're not going to have data you can actually work with and actually solve problems with yeah so that was kind of the second piece is he, he collected more data um more variables but then also encouraged better data quality and a more thorough reporting of issues which is the other kind of critical piece of this
0: yeah yeah and and following from that i mean we we kind of laughed a little bit at how he forced people to do this I think there's a really big part of this is that there was basically top-down buy-in from the beginning here because right. he was in charge right he becomes deputy uh, police commissioner and he gets the power to implement all these changes and because they're coming down from the top it makes it much easier for other people to then start implementing those changes further down the line so moving from the here's the things you can do to collect better data and make sure that it's actually accurate to what are the things that management more generally can do. If you're gonna make any sort of organizational intervention and we kind of preach this every time in all of our episodes, you need to make sure that people at the top want to do this and that they're committed to doing this and that they understand why you're doing this. Really what's happening here is that, that Jack basically understood very clearly because he developed this innovation, why we're doing this and what's the value of it. So when he's pressing down on everyone to make sure they implement these changes, he knows exactly why they're supposed to be doing this on top of what they're supposed to be doing. And it has a, a lot more value, right? It, it becomes something that is beyond an intervention and can actually influence the culture of the organization, right? Changes exactly how we're doing everything here, right? It's not just a change. of This is a new process. We're changing how we're doing everything and in terms of how we approach the problem. Exactly.
1: And yeah, so with that accountability, it's linked to what you alluded to is the that- the performance reward link right yeah so if you encourage a certain behavior it is more likely to happen if you provide some kind of reward associated with that and different police chiefs were encouraged to report these metrics but if they were actually able to move the needle and decrease crime demonstrate that there was increased activity in
0: relation to these previously overlooked crimes they were rewarded for it as well i mean they, in, in the story they focus a lot on the the negative aspects of this where he was pretty draconian in terms of kind of Basically, whipping people in front of all of every, all of their colleagues in terms of not doing something about this—that's yeah. um, probably not the best way that we would recommend doing things in an organization. To be honest, <laughs> looking at the at the research, we would recommend you go on the positive reward side rather than on the the negative uh, punishment side of things.
1: Yeah. So to to kind of color that context a little bit, basically, Jack and the other leaders of the NYPD would get every police chief in a room, it'd be a panel of about like 20 people. Yeah. (laughs) And the way they describe it in reply all is is basically these police chiefs who spent their entire career trying to impress these leaders, all of a sudden get into a room with them. And for the very first time in their career, they're actually forced to explain what they are doing to improve crime in their their area. And they're asked follow-up questions that they have never been asked before. These individuals are finally being questioned and really grilled in front of a panel Um, And it was extremely stressful for them. And a lot of people were terrified of these, these meetings Um, and would throw up before. And like Jack got a lot of hate for this, but he did encourage them to, to report things. And he he did, you know, make a huge change just to to Jose's point. It was kind of draconian. It was really (laughs) focused on like the, the negative uh, punishment aspect of things versus the, the positive reward side of things and rewarding positive behavior is more effective than, than strictly just punishing people for, for poor behavior.
0: Right. And it's not going to lead to resentment. And ultimately, uh, foreshadowing to the second part of, of the Unscripted series, it's not going to lead for, to people thinking of ways of how to get around the system. And if people right. are just trying to avoid punishment, they're going to try and do it in any way that's possible, right? If you're just yep. working to avoid something bad happening to you, you will circumvent the system in any way. To just get yourself out of that punishment whereas if you're working towards a reward you're much more likely to understand why you're doing this what's the value of this right Like we talked about that positive cultural change in organization it's much more likely to happen if you focus on rewarding the positive stuff i think the, the crime machine series is a, it's a really good little case study on a broad scale of the kinds of things that the organizations can and, and shouldn't do maybe in order to get basically performance changes the reason why i think it's particularly salient and we wanted to use it as our literal example for our discussion today is that it's focusing on something that really matters to people's lives right i mean ultimately if you work in an organization and you sell a product or a service yes it's important that you keep profit up but when you're talking about something like police enforcement you're talking about people's lives right people who are being differentially affected by the changes you make in your organization like we said people of color were not be necessarily treated very well by the system they're actually frisked and they're being arrested more often they actually are are being impacted on a day-to-day basis and the nypd is an organization just like any other So one of the things that hopefully we've communicated throughout our episode is the idea that really any sort of organization, whether it's profit, nonprofit, whether it's governmental, whether it's private or not, ultimately operates under the same sort of constraints and the same sort of rules as every organization does. You have to just find ways to apply general principles of good organizational psychology to improve the system.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, every single organization is made up of people. That's the way organizations work. Yeah. And you need to be able to motivate people to engage in positive behaviors and solve problems. Yeah. This is just a very relevant example that I think is, is relatable to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So in wrapping up our mind, your work on scripted, it's kind of become a tradition. Now, what, what do you think is your main takeaway from our discussion today, Nick? Um, My main takeaway uh, would probably be
1: The challenge of getting people to report metrics accurately when you have a really distributed workforce and you don't have like immediate oversight over what each of them are doing. Yeah. Um, And we're definitely going to address this in the next bit. It's a a challenging thing to do. And so in order to motivate, just simply complying with rules that have been put in place to make sure that you're getting the same data from every different location, from every office across the world it is challenging and it requires a significant group effort. And I don't think that the approach that Jack used to motivate, uh, you know, accurate reporting of crime was necessarily the best approach, but maybe it was at the time. Maybe that's what the organization required in order to actually move and actually change. And in order to shock it out of its ways, you might have to do something radical. Doesn't mean that you should maintain that for a very long period of time, but maybe it needed that to kind of shock people out of, their, out of their ways.
0: I think if you're thinking about implementing an organizational intervention, making some sort of change that you think is really going to be worthwhile, my takeaway would be make sure that you go to whoever has the most power in the organization that you have access to and try to get them to basically sponsor whatever intervention you're doing. Have them become part of this initiative. Have them be the kind of person who then goes out even further up the chain to try and get others to buy in. If you can start from the top down when you're trying to make a big, wide, systematic change, you're much more likely to get results. That would be the main thing I would I would focus on.
1: Totally. And that's why projects need executive sponsors. And you need enthusiastic executive buy-in to actually make things work. And executive sponsor, sponsorship shouldn't be Absolutely. just a symbolic thing. That person really needs to champion the initiative just as much as, as the creator of the initiative should.
0: Well, I think that's it for this episode of Unscripted. We're going to come back with part two What we'll we'll cover the second part of the Reply All episode, and what we're going to talk about is exactly what went wrong, and ultimately why did Comstat end up hurting the NYPD's performance? I'm Jose. I'm Nicholas, and we'll see you soon. Do you have any allergies? No. Lucky boy. Not that I know of. Yeah. It's very possible that I just have an encounter whatever that allergen is. Like I've never been stung by a bee. I was thinking about that. I was like, I might be allergic to bees. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a common. common allergy, right? That's like,
1: a very common allergy. It's a
0: dangerous one too. Yeah. So I try to stay away from bees. Huh. I'm already afraid of them. So the idea of being anywhere near like where they are is already pretty easy for me to avoid.